Hello, friends. I'm your host, Christina, and you're listening to Radical Stepmoms, a podcast about the good, bad, and really ugly moments about raising a child that you didn't create. Here, I'll discuss the realities of co-parenting, the way stepmotherhood affects a marriage, the relationship with our stepkids, and most of all, navigating the relationship with ourselves. I want each episode to leave you feeling validated, empowered, and oh so radical. So pour yourself a LaCroix, a glass of red, or whatever, and listen in on Radical Stepmoms. This episode is sponsored by Stepmom Magazine, and if you haven't read it yet, you don't know what you're missing. It's actually the first resource I found, and Stepmoms, believe me when I tell you, it was a game changer for how I navigate this role. Stepmom Magazine is a monthly online publication, and each issue is packed with articles from therapists and stepfamily experts who know exactly what you're going through and what to do about it, because they're stepmoms too. When you subscribe, you'll get access to a private group forum where you can talk with other stepmoms from around the world, and they also offer eBooks on specific topics like disengaging, being a full-time stepmom, parental alienation, and so much more. They're all available to download right now. I subscribed years ago, and it was exactly what I needed to feel less alone and more supported. To join, head to stepmommagazine.com and use code RADICAL20 to save 20%. If you love it as much as I do, send me a DM on Instagram and let me know. I love hearing from you. Again, that's stepmommagazine.com and use the code RADICAL20 to save 20%. Hello, you are listening to Radical Stepmoms. In this episode, I am chatting with Scarlett. And we're going to hear her story um, about having kids full time and then alienation, not having contact um, and how you move through that. So hi, Scarlett. Welcome. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. This is exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Mm -hmm. as usual, I just kind of like to get a little background on who I'm talking with. Um, your stepmom story and what your family dynamic looks like. And then we can kind of jump into, to the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For us, our story began both me and my husband had full custody of our kids when we met and they were still younger. My two were uh, like ages four and seven and his daughter was eight and his um, ex-wife lives in another state. So um, they were more on a custody schedule of like holidays and um, summer breaks. So it wasn't like on a constant basis. And then for me and my kids, um, we it just depended because our divorce was so fresh in the beginning that uh, we were still trying to navigate what that looked like and just really all the the struggles that go when you are in the process of divorce and moving on after that. Mm-hmm. And so we came together and we both had this mindset of like, we're, we're going in this for the long haul. Like when we started dating, um, we took it pretty slow, like introducing our kids and stuff in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And we were both like heavily involved in the church. So our mindset in this was, we're going to do this and we're going to do it right this go around. Mm-hmm. Um, but we both had pretty high conflict, um, exes, which I didn't even know that was like a, a term, a, a term. Yeah, yeah. Until we really started to help other blended families. We didn't realize that's what you called it. We just knew it was hard <laughs> that anything we tried to do, um, as parents just always seemed like a battle coming from the other end. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting when you get in, into, um, in kind of the, the supports and stuff that are out there and you start learning the language, um, how normalizing things feel like, oh, this isn't just like, you know, an isolated thing that my ex does all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Once you figure out like, oh, there's actually high conflict and the word alienation and, you know, um, parallel parenting, all that stuff. It's like this whole other world opens up. Yes. And see, we didn't know any of that going through it until Mm -hmm. we finally came out on the other end of this, um, 15 year, you know, journey for our blended family. And when we came out the other end of it, we were like, we want to help other families get to this Mm -hmm. point that took so long for us to get here. And when we didn't think there were any resources, so we started to create some and really get into this, um, just this whole area of blended families and realized how much there is support out there. There are a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of other people that went through the same thing that we went through or currently going through it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they just think they're alone, but they're not actually alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you guys kind of jump in and, and are navigating the high conflict stuff where, where does it go from there? Well, for us, we were both like very involved, just like family oriented with our kids, like all in kind of things, not just uh, at the house, but we were, I was a teacher as well. And so my kids went to work with me every day and he coached their, their basketball team, their soccer team. So just very, very involved in day-to-day life. And with that, one of the things that I think was a struggle for us is because we were so involved and we both came from, um, divorce families. And then we both had experienced divorce and we wanted to do it right. So bad. Like I truly thought that my mom did made her mistakes and I could do better. Like that was my goal was to do better than she did and that she didn't have the right formula, but now I had the right formula. So I was going to do this, 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 and this, and I was going to raise this perfect family and everything was going to be beautiful. And it just was so hard all the time Mm -hmm. because, um, we went into it with all these hopes of what it was going to look like. And my stepdaughter was like all on board. And then really right before we got married, she pulled her dad aside and was like, look, dad, I don't want you to marry her. Oh, wow. yeah, he was. And she was like begging him, please don't like she even brought up this girl he used to date. Like you, you should go date that girl. Like not don't don't oh, stick shit. with her. <laughs> yeah. And this is like someone from like years prior. She was just reaching and she was like eight at the time, but she just was really scared what it was going to look like. She had had her dad full-time four years, Mm -hmm. um, just the two of them. And then now this, not just me, but also our kids were coming into it. Sure. And so it was just from that moment on, it was like her trying to, um, process what that looked like. And I was the enemy, like whatever I did, she wanted the opposite of that. And I could, I would try so hard. Like I wanted, I, and I'll be honest, I'll be completely honest. Cause I listen to a lot of moms, stepmoms talk and they're like, we don't want to replace the, the birth mom. Like I wanted to be the mom and I wanted my husband to be the dad in our family. Like I wanted us to look as normal as possible. Like 
that was my heart's desire mm-hmm. is to have a normal family. And that meant I was mom and he was dad. And so I would try to be that role because she didn't have her mom, you know, like her, she had her mom, but her mom was in another state. So on a day-to-day basis on the roles that we play as a mother in the household, that was my job, but everything I did was wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I find that, um, that for, I, I think I have a couple of thoughts. Like, I think you are not alone in like wanting to do things right. Right. Like, I think we're all, I think we're all kind of processing our childhood, especially if we came from, you know, divorced parents and we, and then, you know, when you yourself go through a divorce and then you're rebuilding this family, but it's interesting that, that your mindset was I'm mom, he is dad and not, um, you know, I guess seeing the, from the perspective of, we're a blended family and that's how this is, this is structured. And then you run into the tension of, you know, the stepdaughter who's like, whoa, you know, the breaks, like this is a lot. Um, I think that that is a huge thing that a lot of stepmoms like work through of I'm trying to figure out my role. This is the family that I want. I'm mom. Um, and having to figure out like how that actually works for the family you have, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, with that kind of dynamic, I have to ask, are you familiar with the term, another term here? Are you familiar with the term (laughs) mini wife syndrome? No, no, I have never heard that. No. What is it? Okay. So I don't have this because I have a stepson, but the term mini wife syndrome is often with a stepdaughter and their parent. So, um, I have heard it kind of in, you know, same sex relationships too, where it doesn't have to be the dad, but essentially it's the stepdaughter taking on like a wife role and, either being jealous of the stepmom and wanting only if, and only wanting affection, you know, to come to her, not the stepmom or, you know, thinking she knows how to run the house or thinking she knows things that are better, you know, all this kind of essentially your stepdaughter would be taking on a little mini wife role and keeping you at an arm's length away from your partner. Was that present at all? Um, I mean, she was so young that, I mean, I wouldn't, say, I would probably have to spend some time thinking on like when you're talking, thinking about sometimes like maybe when I was sick and she would have to step in and like how much, how much better things would go. But funny that you say that because we laugh now, but she would call my kids, which are her step siblings, the kids, because that's what I call them. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> um, you know, having a boy and a girl, I, you know, I couldn't say like my boys or my daughters, whatever right, right, I would right. say the kids. Yeah. And so she would take that on as well and saw them more as a, um, that she was like, not superior in a way, but that she was more mature, even though she was only a year older a, than my son and yeah, a few years older than my daughter. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were all on the same team there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's eight at the time. And I assume you guys got married anyway. Mm -hmm. Yes. We did get (laughs) married anyways. Yes. (laughs) And what was the relationship then? Um, like moving forward. I mean, in, in our day-to-day life, like, cause sometimes when we talk, we, 
I feel like we're just talking about the problems and that it's not always a problem, you know, like there were, especially in the stretches of time between holidays where things would just feel normal and you, I would show up and I would be playing that role. Um, and then my husband, we'd be playing that role for, for my kids, but it was during those like holidays, like right now, especially with the holidays coming up, um, spring break, Christmas time, uh, summertime, Thanksgiving, whenever that holiday came, that's Mm -hmm. when there was like so much tension because every time she would come back and then really every time before she would go, um, it's, it would be like these little break, mini breakdowns of Mm -hmm. not wanting to do the transition either way. Mm -hmm. So in the the day-to-day life, looking back, like it wasn't that hard, but all of those holidays that come in every couple months to disturb things, it was like starting back over. Right. And you didn't have, I mean, you had them full time. So you, you didn't have those frequent transitions. Your transitions were holidays. Unlike, you know, like me, a transition is every week or for some listening, it's every other day or several times a week. And like, we have to deal with that. I don't know if it's conflict every time, but it's definitely something that you have to pay attention to because there's a shift in the way it, a shift in the rhythm of things. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, um, had your kids and would they all leave to go to their, um, other homes during the holidays? Were there times where it was just you and your partner for the holidays? Just curious how that works. Um, it would, with our, like with my situation with my ex, he, it just depended on how he was doing, um, in his life. So sometimes he would do like an every other weekend, uh, but usually every other weekend we still had my, my stepdaughter during Mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on the holidays or the, the summertime, they would go for like a day. Um, but we never really had just like no kids, maybe a day, maybe two days, in the summer, I think maybe the longest they stayed when they were younger was a week, two weeks. When they got a little older, they would try to stay a little longer the month, but usually like something would happen in his life and then mm-hmm. they would come back, you know, sure. like, yeah, it's like, never mind. Um, cause as soon as you know how that goes in like a blended family, you try to make the best of things. And so as soon as we'd be like, Oh, we're going to have a whole weekend to ourselves. And then it's like, just kidding. I mean, yeah. you don't, you know, as a mom, you love your kids. You never want them to feel like they don't belong there. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it just depended. it was always the thing about being in a blended family. That was to me really hard. Um, and being someone that likes a schedule and to plan things, we just couldn't ever get a routine mm-hmm. ever. Like we couldn't mm-hmm. like make things be like, this is the rules in our house. This is how things are going to be because we couldn't follow through on consequences because yeah. then they were gone and then they'd come back. And then it was a fight with the ex. Like, you know, if we said they couldn't do this, then he said, yes. And then they were like, well, our dad's, we don't have to. And yeah. Um, yeah. That is super frustrating. And, um, And I think there's something to it. I feel every stepmom that I talk to will identify themselves as like, no, I like structure. I'm type A. I want things this way. And here we are choosing the life (laughs) where we have Mm -hmm. like no control. Like you said, can't have consistent structure because there's too many variables that are going in and out. And 
we are like destined to be frazzled if we don't figure out (laughs) how to let go of that type a parts of us. Yeah. And I don't know that I would have, um, let go. Cause I tried, I would grasp every time. Like, and like I said, we would be able to go for long periods of time where we were trying to make things the way that we thought that they should be. Mm. Um, and I held on to that control. Like, and I always question, like, am I the problem? Like, am I a high class, uh, bio mom? Like, like yeah. is that me? And, um, or did I say class high yeah. conflict, <laughs> high conflict, yeah, high conflict, um, birth mom. And sometimes I'll even like message and be like, is this me? And they're like, no, like someone high conflict would never admit that they're, they're an issue. And I was like, yeah, okay. But I think that there were parts of me because of the control that I needed. Um, and in my mind out of safety, and a lot of it was safety issues, just trying to protect them. Like I grew mm-hmm. up in such just, just destruction, like domestic violence, like mm-hmm. struggles like that. Um, mm-hmm. just hardship. I did not want my kids to see that I wanted to protect them from that. And so in doing that, I held on like so tight, um, to them to the point where in the teenage years, they just completely rebelled each mm-hmm. one of our kids, starting from my stepdaughter, when she turned 14, left and went to go live with her mom. And then it just followed suit with our other two kids as they got older and went to go live with their parents because I could not let go of that control. Like I wanted to protect them to the point of not wanting them to fall, not wanting them to fail, not wanting them to experience heartache that way. And every time they would go to their other families and they would be exposed to that stuff, then I would shut it off. And I I had the right to do that because our custody agreement is I had full custody. He had supervised visits and he stopped showing up to those. Therefore he had no visits. Uh So if I got scared, I just, I shut it off. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they got to the point where they would just leave and run away. And I, I had zero help as far as the courts, the cops, Mm. um, counselors, like I tried everything to try to force them to stay in our home. And they just kept taking off to the point I finally had to like release them out into in God's hands out into the world and say, okay, I'm just going to trust God that you were taking care of them. Mm -hmm. God, what was that like for you to, to be at that point where you just have to let it go? Oh, it was heart wrenching. I mean, it was like somebody ripping your heart out, like putting their hand in your chest and just taking it out and ripping it into pieces. And it was like that every single time they would choose to leave from the time with when my stepdaughter, she was the first to go. And it started as she was gone for her summer break. We had been seeing a counselor with her and they had been preparing, like, you know, maybe she needs to go stay at her mom's. She needs to experience this. You know, this is, she kept voicing. I need to have my mom in my life. I need this. I need this. So we had been preparing for that for like the next year. And then my husband got a call one summer day. Hey dad, I'm not coming home. And when he got that call, I was actually out of town. And so coming in from out of town and this, the brokenness that he felt. Mm-hmm. And we were in transition. We were buying this a new house so that all of us could fit in it finally. Cause we really didn't fit in our old house. And it was going to be this like fresh start for all of us. And then she wasn't coming home. And we really 
sat in that for probably two years of like, it felt like a dark cloud over our house. And in that two year period, um, so much was, I guess like a weight on our other two kids shoulders because Mm -hmm. our heart was like broken. And we were mourning that because not only did she not come home, she cut us off. Like phone calls, um, social media for a little bit, we could keep track on her. And, you know, there is no kind of investigator like a, um, like a mom on social media. So, (laughs) you know, I would be creeping all kinds of stuff on her, but eventually she cut that off too. And so we had no contact. Mm. So we were mourning that here in our house, like going from full-time to nothing. And then the other two kids started going through these teenage struggles that we we weren't even really noticing were taking place because we were so heartbroken. Mm. And so as we began to try to fix that, um, I mean like hard, hard, hard stuff that you deal with when it comes to teenagers with, um, suicidal thoughts, Mm. Mm self-harming, um, just that lack of confidence in themselves. So they're always the anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. um, both the younger two had ADHD, like failing out of class, like all of that is wow. just like yeah, magnified. Cool. And so we're trying to, it's like, you have like all these juggling balls, you know, and you're just trying to keep, oh, you're like, let me keep this up over here. And then these fall down. And so you rush over here and you're trying to keep these up. And then these others fall down. Mm-hmm. And I just never felt like I could get it right. Like I could put my attention in one area, but everything else fell apart. And so that's what was happening with the younger two is they just had so much um, emotion happening inside of them and I couldn't see it, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to, when I realized it after it was brought to my attention, I wanted to fix it, but I didn't know how, but I was fixing it by tightening my grip on them and Mm -hmm. like trying to get them into counselors and, you know, going back to court, trying to, to fight our way into forcing them to stay. And it, and it was not working. And so finally I was told over and over by different people, like, you've got to release them. And I couldn't, I I felt like releasing them was an admit of defeat, I guess, in a Mm -hmm. way that I, that I wasn't the mom that they needed. And I Mm -hmm. felt like if I let them go, like it still makes me emotional now just thinking about it. And, but there just came that moment where I finally had to say, I've, I have to, for their own safety, I have to let them go. And then when I did, it went for like another year with not speaking to them, like Mm. shut out of their life too. They went to go stay with their dad and didn't really want to have anything to do with me because of all of the, I, I can now say it was manipulation on my part after going through counseling and learning, but all the, the tactics that I used to try to keep them to stay, mm-hmm. um, they were hurt by it. They were really, they were hurt and traumatized in a way too, but it was all of me just trying to grasp at all of the straws to keep them to stay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, do you, would you say, I mean, just from what you've shared already of kind of that big hope that you had in the beginning, do you think that that was a large motivator for you wanting to try and keep this, you know, family intact because you wanted to fulfill what you had, you know, um, I guess wanted in the, in the beginning. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I felt like if, 
if I didn't have the kids here, that I was not a good mom. Like everybody was looking at me. Had I not already um, messed up by getting a divorce, especially in the Christian community, you know, like you're, you're supposed to do things in the right order. And I'd already messed that up from getting pregnant in high school, you know? And so then after that is when I really found my relationship, um, with Christ. And then I end up in a divorce. So now like people are really looking at me and like, Mm -hmm. okay, you know, you are not a good representation of what a Christian mom should look like. And then now I can't even keep my kids in my house. Like I can't take care of them. I'm not raising them. So I'm, I'm a bad mom because of the fact that I can't, I can't keep them here. I can't keep them safe. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, none of that is true. (laughs) Well, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it it takes learning that and counseling like for sure. But the judgment, like I couldn't let them go in the end because I didn't, I cared what people had to say, even my own family members, you know, like I cared about their opinion so much, um, more than I cared about my kids safety at, you know, when it got to certain Mm -hmm. points and that, or my pride, you know, was too big. Mm -hmm. And so I had to finally release that, but that, like I said, was from counseling and a lot of learning and growing myself. Yeah. So, um, what was it like during, I mean, aside from, um, the, you experience, as you said, you experiencing heartache and, but when, cause there was a period where everyone was out of the house. Right. And it was mm-hmm. you and your husband. Yes. We ended up with maybe like a six month period of nobody. Uh, because around that time is when he started reaching out to his daughter mm-hmm. and reconnecting that relationship, like to where she finally received it. And so we had this, like, to me, it was like the longest six months of my life of like real, like deep darkness, what you would look back now and be like, yeah, there was some depression mm-hmm. happening there for sure. And I was overcompensating by trying to stay really, really busy and getting involved in a lot of other things and putting, pouring my energy and stuff into other stuff instead of processing what was taking place. And it ended up taking a toll on my health where my body just started shutting down. Mm. And I mean, it sent me into early menopause. I have an autoimmune disease, like all Mm. of these things from my body was shutting down. And I didn't realize it was because I wasn't dealing with the emotional stuff going on, Mm. um, that I was taking a physical toll on me. Yeah. Yeah. Your body will, your body will definitely signal that it's time to slow down and focus on what really needs to be focused on. Yeah. Yeah. What was, um, you know, how was your marriage through that? I mean, I imagine that there's a lot of, um, you know, (laughs) difficult conversations and supporting one another. And I mean, where is there a time where, you know, you questioned it all? No, for us, thank, thank God for us. It brought us closer together. Yeah. Like during that time period, we grew so much closer to each other because we really, we couldn't depend on you know, what we knew as our safety and our security of who we were before, which was a father and a mother yeah, yeah, being their parents and doing all the things we did for them. So for us, we really just, you know, cried on each other's shoulders and had each other to vent to and complain to. And that that's really what started a 
a cycle for it, like started us into where we are now, because when I started going to counseling, she was encouraging me. She's like, you need to find something that's yours. And how much better right now when it's you and, and your husband, like y'all need to find something that's y'all's that mm-hmm. you can just, um, you know, that brings joy into your life. And we kept waiting and waiting all that time, raising our kids, like next season, we're going to find, we're going to have joy. We're going to slow down. We're going to get things under control. Everything's going to work out next season, next season, next season, putting through, it off. <laughs> yeah. Through yeah. the busyness it, that was how we raised our kids next season. And then in this hard time, it was like, okay, we couldn't see the future in any of it. So she mm-hmm. started, the counselor was telling me like, you've got to find something. So Randall and I started dating. That's my husband. I don't think I said his name yet, but <laughs> we started figuring out, okay, like prioritizing date nights and, you know, coming together like that and what could be ours. So we started looking into blogging and traveling and all of this stuff. And during that time we started to connect, but we, we realized we had lost so much well, really, we never even had when you're in a blended family, you get married, and you already have kids, you mm-hmm. never have that time to truly connect on a different, you know, a relationship yep. level. <laughs> and so we would say, okay, no talking work, no talking kids. Um, and so we would sit there like, well, what do we talk about? Like, right? this, yeah. we got, we got nothing, you know, what's we your favorite we, movie? <laughs> yes. Right. We were so tired of complaining because complaining was getting us nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, we would talk about the kids and our ex-spouses and all the heartache. And we were just so tired. We wanted to find something that was, you know, happy to talk about. And so we, we started doing that and we started enjoying each other. And then from there, my, my stepdaughter came back to live with us and we were really able to pour into that relationship because she had never been like an only child, you know, in our marriage. So we need to talk about how that happened. So she decides one summer, like I'm not coming back and then just cuts off all contact. And then how did that come about where she wanted to move back? Well, yeah, it didn't, it was not easy. And so we kept trying to like connect with her, my husband, um, specifically trying to reach out, but I would too, just reaching out on text and, um, social media letters, you know, going old school and trying to write her letters and stuff and not really knowing what was going on over there. And then, uh, we would buy like a Christmas is coming. So we'd be like, Hey, do you want to come? And then she would finally say, okay, yes, like I'll come. And then the day would come where she's supposed to get on the plane and she wouldn't get on the plane. Like she Mm -hmm. would say that she's sick and she would like, it made her so anxious to come back because so long, um, so such a long period of time had been between the time she left and now, and there was, we've tried to force her to come back in the very beginning. So I'll just say that. Cause I didn't say that before when she had came for one holiday after she stayed for the summer, she came for Thanksgiving and we ended up canceling her plane tickets and saying, you're not going back because of the fact of the stories that she was sharing from what was happening over there. Mm-hmm. And so that so turned you into- were, you were concerned about what was happening at her mom's or yes, the, the choices that her mom was making. And then her mom's marriage ended up falling apart when, when she had first moved back over there. And then it started, it just started spiraling. They lost their house, their car, you know, all this stuff. So, so you, we tried, Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say, so you thought like, you know, we're, it would be better if you stayed here. Um, 
and that because you you had said several times like it was your worry and and wanting to protect her so that's one one of the examples yes yeah okay yeah and okay so, so then go ahead <laughs> so yeah so we tried to force her we had canceled her plane ticket back and everything and then um you know it just turned into this this nightmare of a night of her just really being hopeless and our his ex-spouse saying she's going to drive here and take her from school. Like we can't keep her here and all this stuff. So we finally, in the end, she's in high school at this point, you know, and if we were to start to go to court, the process and that, you know, she's going to be considered an adult or whatever. And Mm -hmm. um, by then, and so we just, we let her go back. And then from there is where it cut off, like all ties, social media texts and everything. And then eventually, you know, we got through to where like little messages she would respond to, I think things had just gotten to the point where she really couldn't take it over there anymore, but she didn't know how to leave. And she also had a little sibling, um, there from her mom's side that Mm -hmm. she she could, I mean, he's, um, let's see, he's 12 now at the time he was like five or six. And so she's 14, 15. So she's helping watch over her little brother. And so during that time, for her just to leave him was just, she couldn't even fathom the idea of that. She couldn't, but it got to a point where she couldn't handle it anymore. So she actually went to go live with her grandmother on her mom's side. And during that time, uh, my husband began to just reach out in these little ways, um, which we see now is just the power in it. He would call her every Sunday and just leave her a voice message if she wouldn't answer the phone. Mm. And then sometime, eventually she started answering the phone. And then from there, they would have like really awkward, you know, conversation, very surface level conversation. And he just kept doing it like clockwork. Yeah. And then that's when he started, you know, he bought her a plane ticket, but then she couldn't come because she was sick and these different things back and forth. And then one day he said, you know what, I'm just going to drive up there. It was a 10 hour drive. He's like, I'm gonna drive up there. I'm going to pick her up and I'm going to bring her home if she's willing. And that one act right there broke the ice, her not having to get on the plane and be by herself and like come into our situation, like him going over there. Um, just the love that he had for her, it broke down the walls in that moment. And she came down to visit and realized things weren't what she had built them up to be or was told, you know, you never know what exactly is happening over Mm -hmm. in the other household, but she realized things were not as bad as she had thought they were. And we weren't as evil, you know, as she had began to um, play in her mind. And so from there, she decided she would come down for the summer. And then after that summer, she decided that she was ready to come home for good. Wow. So was there, um, conversation with the ex at that point when she decided to move back in with you guys? No, because at this point she was living with her grandmother. Oh, okay. There was already a big strain on her and her mom's relationship, Mm -hmm. uh, to where she didn't have a whole lot of interaction with her. Mm -hmm. Um, so there wasn't any, and then for, for my husband and his ex-wife, he had got to the point, like during all of that, like not to talk to her, he would prefer because mm-hmm. anytime it was conversation, it was just paragraph after paragraph after paragraph coming in about how evil he was and, mm-hmm. you know, a horrible dad and all that. So he would get to the point where he just wouldn't even. Sure. And when the kid gets, I guess, big enough and you can just communicate, but I, you, I mean, it's so 
great that he remained consistent and, you know, contacting her and stuff. I think that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I see, um, for parents that aren't, you know, like with their kids right now, where they're out of, you know, like in your situation, they chose or custody arrangements, just have it work out that way. Um, to remain consistent in keeping that relationship, even if the kid is resistant or, you know, not Mm -hmm. open to the relationship, the parent continuously showing up and saying, I'm here when you're ready is huge. And obviously in, in, in his situation that really, I mean, driving 10 hours, that's, um, Mm -hmm. maybe that was what she needed to really, to really see what her options were. Yeah. 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 And it really, and then we ended up using that same, that same thing with the younger two, which really my son was never like, I'm cutting you off. He's just, he's a boy, you know, like he was Mm -hmm. a boy and he was a teenager. And so his wasn't really anything intentional, but with my, my youngest, which she's now 18, but at the time, you know, she was 15, 16, 17, like during those struggling years. And was very hurt, you know, through the whole process as well. And so I began to do the same thing with her, which was, um, we were local, so it wasn't as hard of like driving or whatever. So I just started inviting her like, Hey, do you want to go hang out? and making it on a consistent basis and not a lot of pressure of like here at the house, but Hey, I'll pick you up and we'll go, um, thrift shopping or we'll go get ice cream, you know, something, Mm -hmm. something simple. And then after doing that for a few times, then it was able to break back down those walls with her too, after going that, that year, two years, um, without having like real mother daughter contact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those, um, seem like less pressure, uh, interactions than coming over for a family dinner or something like that, yeah. like baby steps. So I'd love to ask people who, cause it sounds like you've had a lot of, I mean, like you said, you went to therapy and stuff, but like you, you've had a lot of inner reflection and looking back can see, you know, things in a different way. If you could, would you do anything differently? Um, Yes, (laughs) for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, doing things differently, I think from the beginning realizing, um, because like I said earlier, I wanted to be the mom in the household, but I wouldn't have told you at that point, I would not have been able to admit that I was trying to be the mom, Mm, you know, like that took that, that learning and growing. So I would have not forced myself so much and allowed her to come to me and establish what our relationship was. Um, and I think even with my kids, I would have been a little more honest with their dad's situation because mm-hmm. I kept everything like a secret in a sense, because I didn't want them to know those things until it got to the point that I was scared. And then I just threw mm-hmm. it all at them mm-hmm. and it was in attack mode then. Mm-hmm. And I, I would have, I wish I would have known the parallel parenting, which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I felt like I was doing everything for their own good and their safety. And again, some of the things truly were for safety and some things were how us as moms can want to just control a lot of things, you know, like Mm -hmm. has allergies. So him not eating the wrong things over there, they weren't deadly allergies, but they were, his skin would break out. And then we would have to be dealing with that. You know, that's what we deal with, with my stepson, except his mom feeds him things she shouldn't be feeding him. That's well, yeah. So yours is. Yeah. So yours is kind of like on the opposite end. The opposite, but, yeah. 
when they would go to their dad's that he would eat all the things he's not supposed to. And then his skin would break out. It's like, yep. come on, please just work yep. with me. Or they would stay up all hours of the night, you know, and then it's trying to get them on a, a routine. Mm-hmm. Schedule for that. Those things I wish I would have let go early on because in the, the scheme of things, it was such a little bit of time in their life. Um, and we did have them full time. So I, I wish I wouldn't have stressed as much as I did Mm -hmm. over that and really kept it for just the safety things. Um, when I was really, um, harping on situations Mm -hmm. and like I said, just being, if I would have been more honest with them, like I think of a time in particular, like they were going for Christmas Eve and they were going to spend like that the Christmas break, they were actually going to go over there and spend it with them, which was abnormal. And then I get a call, like not even 24 hours into it, like that he went to jail. And I'm like, this is from his, it it was his girlfriend. I consider them married at the time. I didn't consider them married because, you know, in my head, like y'all aren't married, but she really, um, she took care of him. She played the stepmom role and she did a great job. Like in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, and that I, I liked when he had her, <laughs> we'll just mm-hmm. say that I felt like things were more steady when he had her around, but she called and like, let me know that. So then I, I go pick him up. Well, I didn't tell them that, you know, mm-hmm. I just told him that he had to work. And so he couldn't have them after all. Mm -hmm. And so those are the type of things like each time a scenario like that played out, I would just make up an excuse and not tell them any truth. So I know it needs to be appropriate, but yeah, yeah. It's such a hard position for you to be in where you're protecting him in a very big way, but you're also, you're protecting the kids and their relationship with their dad and all the questions that come with come after you being honest. And yeah, so I don't know, like that's, that's, I guess I don't blame you. (laughs) That's a hard, hard choice to make and and how much you, you tell them. Um, and of course you just want to protect them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when, what, what is it like present day as with the relationship with the kids? Oh, this last year, like has been a huge turnaround. I mean, just extreme turnaround from what it used to be, um, where they actually want to hang out with us. They want to be in our presence. Like the youngest and she's 18. The oldest is 20, uh, fixing to be 23. And in the middle of all of that, I'll say when, when our oldest went to go live with her mom, and the youngest two were still here before they started having all their trouble. We had actually taken in one of our youth students mm-hmm. that was a high school senior at the time. So we brought in this whole other dynamic, um, which, I mean, that's a whole different podcast, <laughs> on the, the things that that threw in there, because all of the kids really felt replaced mm-hmm. in that time, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like adopting a kid, like it changes how things Mm -hmm. are and you give your focus and attention somewhere else. And so now we technically we have four kids. So the oldest being 24 down to the 18 year old and it's, it's enjoyable. Like it's crazy that it's enjoyable because we haven't had this, um, for the holidays. We haven't Mm -hmm. had this, um, just basically for our whole relationship where we had everybody just wanting to be a part of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are your plans for the holidays? Are you, is it like 
I would imagine it's, it feels like there's been a lot of healing. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And flexibility along with that and learning just after going so many holidays without even having them, like not even a phone call, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. happy birthday, happy mother's day, you know, Merry Christmas, whatever. Um, really you start to cherish even the smallest of things, but just really opening our eyes to the seeing things from their perspective and how pulled they are in all the different directions. And if we can ease that up for them in any way, like that's what, that's what I want to do. So mm-hmm. like this year for the holidays for Thanksgiving, we just celebrated on Monday and then um, we're releasing them in that ability to go spend their other holiday with their other parents, mm-hmm. um, which my stepdaughter, she's actually coming with us. We're going to go up to my in-laws, um, to do Thanksgiving there, but the others going to, to spend it with their dad where they're not feeling like they're being pulled in different directions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like my, my stepdaughter, she's actually going to fly to her, um, sister on her mom's side and do Christmas there. And that's on Christmas day. She's flying up there to surprise her. And so mm-hmm. we're, you know, being flexible and we're going to do Christmas, um, we don't know exactly what day yet, but learning that the holiday doesn't have to actually be on that date. And that if, if my most important thing to me is having them all around, mm-hmm. then finding a day that we can have them all around mm-hmm. and enjoy that. So for Thanksgiving, for the first time in a long time, like we sat down and we ate Thanksgiving dinner together. It was on a Monday the week before, but right. yeah, it's you know, still, yeah, it doesn't matter where it falls on the calendar. You can still, it's that's the magic of the holidays, right? Like it doesn't need to be, it's all in our heads, <laughs> you know, yes, yes. If, if we change the calendar and you know, it's, 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 it can feel the same. Absolutely. And as they get older, it's kind of that pressure of who do you love more is who you choose yeah. to spend that day with. But like we, like me and Randall both come from divorced families. So that's already four different sets of families. Mm -hmm. And then we're both divorced. And so our kids have that many, like, I think seven is how many different options they have on a Thanksgiving day. And so who they choose feels like the winner, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kids feel the pressure and they don't want to let people down. And I mean, I feel that way. Same with my husband and I, like we have to figure out, you know, where are we going to go for each holiday? And on the years that we have my stepson for Christmas, we're usually at his, at my in-laws. And then, you know, on the, it's just like, it's hard. It makes, it makes the holidays more stressful than mm-hmm. they they're intended to be, you know? Yeah. yeah and- it's complicated. Well, for me, I started last year was the first year I started, um, enjoy the holiday challenge. And I really started challenging myself to find the joy in whatever it is and become more flexible with those things. And really asking my kids, like, what do you like about it? And then prioritizing those things. Mm -hmm. And so last year was the first year that I did that. And it was just a complete turnaround. Mm-hmm. Like prioritizing the things that they care about and just stop trying to be Pinterest mom, <laughs> like yeah. let it go because nobody really cares, um, mm. at all, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, letting those things go. And so this year we're, we've gotten even more like detailed with it of what they like and what they don't like, you know, what we need to prioritize and man, it just relieves so much pressure on the yeah. holidays. That's great advice. Yeah. I think too. And I mean, the Pinterest mom stuff and even just social media in general, like 
paints this idea of what the holiday should look and feel like. Um, I know for me in particular, like I love the tradition that we have of going and getting a tree, like right after Thanksgiving. And that used to be like the tradition, but then sometimes we don't have my stepson. Sometimes we do. And he wants to be a part of it. And, but I want to do it during this particular weekend. And like, Mm -hmm. I'd have to get flexible and realize like, regardless of when we get our tree, it's the experience of getting the tree. That's fine. And then like letting go of decorating the tree and having it look (laughs) a certain way or, you know, um, I mean, making cookies with kids sounds like a really cool idea, but it's messy. And often the kids end up fighting and it's like, do you guys actually enjoy doing this? Because if not, I'm not doing it anymore. Yes. A hundred percent. Like I actually created this scale that, um, I sent out to my kids today and to my husband and seeing their responses. So I listed like 20 something Christmas things that are your traditional Christmas stuff and zero to 10. And they circled on there. What brings them joy and Christmas cookies bottom of the list, but yet we feel like, and you know, my, my youngest, she wrote in, she's like, I'm just too impatient for this. And it's like, oh, okay, well, why are we, if y'all just want to eat Christmas cookies, right? We can buy them. Yeah. We can <laughs> Oreos get for everyone. Yes. Oh yes. And my, my stepdaughter loves Oreos. So, oh, it was just eye opening and like the matching pajamas though. Um, yeah. I talked about this on my Instagram story today. Just, it was eye opening because my youngest put on there that that was that ranked high on her list. And that was a tradition I started before, um, I remarried. But after remarrying and all of the chaos of like switching of the kids and everything, they would go to their dads on Christmas Eve. So they wouldn't be home to open up the Christmas present. I finally said, why do I put myself through this every year? They Mm -hmm. don't come home till like two in the morning. They don't even get to open their present. Like, why am I doing this? So I stopped. But seeing that, that that's important to her, like she gave that a 10. Mm. It's like, okay, for her, like making sure I get her those Christmas pajamas before Christmas Eve, you know? Yeah. Uh, PJs are, 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 are a tradition in our family too. I think a lot of families are, I mean, they're just so cute now and the pictures are just priceless. Um, nice. but yeah, actually I love that. I started that tradition, um, with us, I think it was before, maybe a year before we got married. Um, but my stepson will ask me, Hey, when, when are we getting our PJs? Like what, when, what do they look like? Have you ordered them yet? Like what, what's the theme this year? I love that. I love that. Like I, it's like, oh, okay. Like you actually enjoy this because I am wrecking the internet trying to find, you know, the jammies for, for the year. And I want to make sure that someone actually cares other than me. <laughs> right. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> well, for me, I couldn't even get my family all in a picture with matching pajamas. Like, and that's yeah. my mindset. It's like, oh, I want the cute photo, but uh, right. just know that even when they're 18, if they love that tradition, they're still going to love it. Cause you think eventually they're going to be like, eh, but she's 18 and she still loves that. Yeah. 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 Um, so you have your platform and you and your husband, uh, I mean, you briefly mentioned like you wanting to help blended families and stuff. What is kind of your goal or what, what message are you sending to blended families? Um, well, for me personally, uh, is for moms to learn to take control of the things that they can control and let go of the things that they can't during the time with our kids, um, all leaving. And I had zero control. That's when, um, 
prayer became like my number one tool. And so then I had started prayers from a mom, which has now turned into a podcast, but it's just a morning devotion to come together and pray over those areas, over our kids, the areas that like stress us out, worry us, because when your kids are gone and they're in a, in an unsafe environment, but there's nothing that you can do about it. Mm -hmm. Um, you lean on your prayer, like nothing before. So that is one thing is just giving them that outlet, because there's a lot of things that are out of our control. If we, even if we want to control it, we can't. So guiding and directing and just praying for the moms in that same situation and letting them know they're not alone. Um, that's, that's one like part of it, mm -hmm. but then for Randall and I, and in ours, uh, our other podcast is enjoying your blended family. Our goal is to help them enjoy the family that they have, like not try to make it into something else, not become, um, a normal family, but take mm -hmm. the family that they have and really grow on those strengths with each other, prioritizing that quality time with them, um, and learning how to communicate with each other better. Um, Randall and I are both like we both came from high conflict relationships before. So in our relationship, we got to the point where like, we just don't disagree or argue because we don't want there to be a problem, mm -hmm. but I would hold a lot in, um, until I would explode. But most of the time I wouldn't even get to that point. I would just be very submissive because I didn't want to be divorced again. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have a big blowout fight. And so learning how to communicate in a healthy way is like one of our, like, number one things is like yeah. teaching couples, like your relationship is so important. You've got to be on the same page with each other so that you're parenting these kids, um, in your household. And if your marriage isn't strong, then you're, you know, the, the rest of the family is going to suffer. So that's mm -hmm. our heart is just teaching families, um, how to have the right mindset and then communicate with each other and be intentional with each other in their mm -hmm. relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, communication is key in any relationship, but man, in a blended family, when you've got all the different things happening at the same time, like you said, all the balls that you're juggling and stuff, if you don't have a partner that you can communicate with and, and, you know, you know, speak up freely and be able to share the things that are like, it's, you know, there's always that, that, um, reaction that some people have when you say, no, your, your marriage should become, should come before the kids. Um, and I, it's, it's, you have to have that foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, before we end, how can people find you? How can people listen to you? What's, what's your stuff? Well, on Instagram, we're on, um, enjoying your blended family. That's where I spend a lot of my time. I enjoy that. We have a, a Facebook group as well, enjoying your blended family. And then, um, they can find us on the podcast. We, every Monday we talk about, um, uh, hot topics in blended families. So it's just called enjoying your blended families, basically on any of the platforms okay. on Mondays, we talk about that hot topic, whatever it is for that week. And then on Fridays we share like fun, we call them fun Fridays, like fun ideas to do with your family or to do with your spouse, uh, just to spark some, creativity on what, yeah. like, you know, you run out of ideas. Yeah. And so we go in there and we share our hearts with that and share different ideas that we try out, even with our adult kids. 
Um, because that's one thing too. Like I thought I missed the mark once the kids hit 18 and they had all like left the house way before that. And I thought like I missed my chance in my final years of parenting. And I didn't realize that that was when they turn 18, you're not done. Right. Yeah. still. I don't, you would think I would know these things, but, um, I didn't, I didn't, I did it. And so we're just now like really just, um, fostering these relationships with our, adultish kids and enjoying that time and just sharing our hearts in that so that other people can enjoy that time with yeah, their family. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, thank you for having me. So. Yeah. All right. I will um, put Scarlett's information on the show notes and thank you for listening as always be well and stay radical. All right, ladies, the episode is over, but do you want a little more? Come find me on Instagram and join the community at Radical Stepmoms Podcast or schedule a one-on-one session and get that personalized support or become a Radical member and gain access to exclusive content like bonus episodes and merch. Radical Stepmoms is so much bigger than a podcast. Check out the details and the notes on this episode.